0: Hey Rise listeners, producer Chelsea here. Starting next week, we're looking forward to bringing you some original programming by Rachel herself. But until then, we wanna share an episode from last October featuring an interview with Nick Stone, one of our favorite novelists for children and young adults. Stone's debut novel, Dear Martin, is a New York Times bestseller, which tells the story of a young man who begins writing letters to Martin Luther King Jr. after an interaction with racist police officers leaves him shaken. In this interview, Rachel and Nick discuss breaking down barriers in publishing, as well as how to craft a story about your truth, even if it feels like the world is telling you no. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Rise Podcast, and we'll be back next week with a message from Rachel. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. Did you always want to be a writer? Is that something you had since you were a little girl? Like, what was that journey for you to become an author?
1: So what's interesting about my journey to becoming an author is I did want to be a writer, but as a black woman, not Mm -hmm. seeing writers who looked like me hindered me in a lot of ways. Yeah, Um, Which is why I write the stuff that I do. Um, Not only because it's like when... I guess it hit me when I hit my late 20s that, like, if I wasn't seeing... Myself in books, other people weren't getting an opportunity to see me either. Absolutely. And realizing how important that was is kind of what made me decide to go ahead and take the plunge.
0: Yeah. Can we let, well, let's dig into that right at the top because I think it's so crazy that you say that literally this morning, I was talking about business, but I had posted a quote. It's not my quote, it's an old one, but if you can't see it, how do you know you can be it? Mm -hmm. And I think so much of my career has been propelled by not seeing women in business settings. Like I wanted to see a female host of a business podcast like this one and I didn't, or I wanted to see women on stage and I didn't. And so I started leaning into that because- I wanted the same kind of thing. Can you talk to me about if someone's listening to this and they've never really thought of that before, like, oh, well, I, you know, I have the privilege of always seeing myself yeah. in books and media.
1: It's, it, it, it's wild, right? Like, not when you don't see yourself... And, and, you know, books are something that we are forced to look at from the time we enter schooling, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, pre-K on. I remember The Very Hungry Caterpillar from, like, pre-K, right? And, you know, it's a book about a caterpillar. But, like, as you get older and you're forced to read books about actual human beings, when you don't see human beings in those books that look like you, you start to wonder if you actually exist. Mm. Like, books have such a way of shaping our notions of reality Um, Books and media, books, films, TV, etc. But because books are tied to literacy and literacy is tied to like success, you know, I realized that like, yo, I had to do something Mm -hmm. um, because it's not fun. Um, growing up, I think I saw like three black people in the books I had to read between eighth and 12th grade. And I was like the only black kid in the class. So we're reading Huck Finn, and we got Jim, who yeah. I couldn't even understand half the time because of the way he's written. Yeah. And then there's Tom Robinson from To Kill a Mockingbird, who did nothing wrong but winds up having to face the consequences of this thing that he didn't even do. And then there's Crooks from Of Mice and Men, who he couldn't really get anything done despite being this really sweet character. Like, they weren't heroes, right? Like, I never saw myself as a hero in a story growing up or, like, even afterward. And I think I'm all about changing that. So, like, where you want to see yourself and women who are going to come up behind you in positions of authority in business, I want the same thing when it comes to literacy Mm -hmm. and when it comes to books when it comes to media. Um, because I think, honestly, that's where empowerment comes from, seeing people who look like you doing this very powerful thing.
0: Yeah. So so tell me what that journey is like. When did you really start to think, I'm going to write? Was it like, because as a little girl, I was always sort of puttering and trying. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I was like, I'm going to write a book. What was that like for you? So
1: interestingly enough, I didn't think I could write fiction. And I, I remember being like 22, 23 24 even and I'm 34 now and I remember looking around loving reading books but feeling like I could never write fiction I loved reading fiction but I didn't think I could write it and it took me reading actually the Divergent series Mm -hmm. by Veronica Roth that was the first book series where a black character lives through the end. And it, like, awakened something within me um, because this girl in this book, Christina, is the character's name. She was the first time. I was, like, 27 or 28 when I read this book. And I think I was 28 when I read the second one. It was 27 when I read Divergent and 28 when I read Insurgent. And then Allegiant came out. But, like, this whole series, you see this black girl. I got to see this black girl, like, doing the things that I felt like I would do if I were in her shoes, that was a really powerful experience for me. So at 28, I decided to give it a try. I decided to try and write fiction. And, like, the first go-round was trash. The first book was so bad. And I think that we should both stress this, right? Like, if you are a person who wants to write a book, recognize that the first time might not be great
0: yeah and that's okay yeah right? honestly the first several times yeah. were not that great for me absolutely
1: dear martin was the third book i wrote and it was the first one published so like you know you got to kind of keep at it yeah practice makes improved yeah um but yeah it took and but then once i like once it clicked that it was a thing that i could do i can't stop yeah it's like all i want to do now yeah and
0: so are you staying in the fiction genre? Do you think you'll ever jump to – because I started in fiction yeah. and then I jumped to nonfiction. Oh, yeah. And I miss fiction so terribly. But it feels like this there, – there's like this blessing and this curse of having success in a certain area. Mm-hmm. Or I suppose it could even be like writing for young adults versus writing for – pre- or whatever that you kind of – that now everyone goes, okay, this is what you're known for. Write more of this thing. What was that like for you?
1: So, interestingly enough, this is something I've been thinking about and talking to my therapist about <laughs> a lot um, because this is my message really to your listeners you are allowed to be good at more than one thing. Mm. We're kind of taught and conditioned that, like, okay, this is the thing that you're good at. Like, stick to this thing. And if you try to do other things, you're that whole jack-of-all-trades but a master of none, a jill-of-all-trades but a master of none. But I think that's bullcrap. Yeah. Like, I do think it's possible to be good at multiple things. And I absolutely plan to do all of it. I want to do nonfiction. I want to do adult fiction. I want to do picture books. I'm going to do all of it. I want to screenwrite. And I'm going to do these things. That's awesome. Yeah
0: Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees. Period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com cashbackdebit. Discover Bank member FDIC. So where are you now with your, so Dear Martin came out. That was the first book that was published. Yeah. And what happened with that one?
1: So, well This is the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. So that was 2017. Um, interestingly enough, I sold Dear Martin in February of 2015 and it took 32 months or so wow. before it was yeah. actually on a shelf. Yeah. But once like the beginning of 2017 hit and people started reading the book. They started liking the book. And now it's a book that's constantly assigned in schools. Um, I have the utter privilege of getting to like travel around the country talking about racism, Mm -hmm. you know, to kids as young as 12. Like I've been in middle schools, I've been in high schools. A couple weeks ago, I was like in this very small technical school in, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was, like, me and, like, two sets of 800 students, first-year students, like, 80% of whom were, like, straight white dudes. Yeah. From conservative areas. Um, so it's afforded me the opportunity to talk to so many different types of people and it's wild.
0: Will you explain what the book's about if people haven't read it? Ready? Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's a book that follows um a seventeen year old African American boy named Justice who after a traumatic experience with racial profiling, like there's a night that he is trying to help his ex-girlfriend get home after she's had too much to drink. Um, a police officer pulls up, assumes that he is up to no good because he's trying to put her in her own car um, and arrests He arrests this kid on the spot, gives him no chance to speak, no chance to explain himself. And, from that experience, this kid who is super high achieving, he's like headed to Yale, um, he goes to this very elite private school, he decides he's going to start a journal of letters that he writes to the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. just to see how Dr. King's teachings apply now in the 21st century. So he uses it as this journal, like he makes this journal of letters, um, really just trying to process the world around him and how he fits inside of it. Um And it's a book that gets real gritty. Uh, I tell people... With that book, it is my intention. It was my intention to make as many people uncomfortable as possible because mm-hmm. it's like in discomfort that we're that's where we grow, right? Absolutely. So, like across the racial spectrum, no matter who you are, where you come from, what's your ethnic what your ethnicity is, you will be uncomfortable at some point reading this book, which is a, which is important mm-hmm. um, when talking about an issue like this. Um, so, yeah, and the sequel, like, I got talked into a sequel <laughs> that, <laughs> that will come. (laughs) Come out next October. Okay. But yeah, we're just rolling right along. How was that? How was so
0: uh, with my first fiction book? put it out into the world, and the publisher was like, we think this is a series. Mm -hmm. It was never that in my Mm -hmm. own mind. But with the second book, I got to play on completely different characters. I didn't
1: keep that story going.
0: So is that what you did, or this is truly his sequel?
1: Yeah, no. So this is, I call it a sequanion. So (laughs) it's like a sequel time-wise, but a companion novel, and that is from a different perspective.
0: Got it. And how was that to write?
1: (sighs) You know, they were both really awful to write. Yeah, Um, I understand that. The research was excruciating. There's a lot that I don't. I just don't want to think about, you know. Um, but I had to for both of these books. This the sequel really, the sequanian, <laughs> it really deals with the juvenile justice system and inequities, racial inequities in the juvenile justice system, and how a lot of these African American boys wind up kind of criminalized before they even get an opportunity to be, like, 13, you mm-hmm. know? Um, you you make one mistake, and suddenly you have this record, and because of this record, you're kind of sent on a very specific trajectory, and it's something that really bothers me. Uh, so where in the first book, I'm dealing with just kind of systemic racism and microaggressions and all the ways that, you know, from the foundations of this country— things have been set up for certain people to be able to succeed and other people to be to, to struggle mm-hmm. um, with that. This book is more about circumstances and how a lot of the time we don't think, when it comes to black boys specifically, we don't think about the circumstances of their lives that have led them to where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have two little boys. So like this kids? is important to me. So I have two, let's see, one of them is three, going on like 27. (laughs) And my other son is seven. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so you're writing this as you're researching. What is that process like for you? Do you sort of compile it all at the beginning and then start writing? Or do you write, research, write, research?
1: I do more the latter. Um, So interestingly enough, we tried to sell a different book before Dear Martin. And the editor, who is just a dream to work with, while she liked my writing, she wasn't sold on that other story. So I sold Dear Martin on on, um, on Proposal, mm. um, 13 pages that, like, I just spit out. They gave me 12 hours to, like, spit out an idea. And in writing it, I, I like, had a deadline from jump. Yeah. Um, and so I had to kind of research and write simultaneously, which was terrible yeah but now that's the way that I do things because yeah. I got so used to like doing it that way um that now that just makes more sense to me I guess. absolutely
0: I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing TravelTexas.com slash get your own. I promise myself every time that I will never again write on contract like I always want to finish a book and then say, Here it is. Do you and then it never? Oh, no, ever way. happens. I can't do it now. Yeah, no, like, now, just now it's just like, it. Here's the thing, and turn this in by June 1st, and, and then like, you, oh, you know, oh, cry for a year and yeah. just make it happen. Um, so that one comes out in October. Is that correct? Which the, one? The, the the what do we call it? The, the Sequoian. That's <laughs> the October twenty twenty. Okay, October twenty twenty. Okay, yeah. so you still you still got a hot minute
1: on that one. Yeah. Are you yeah. turned in yet? Or are you in edits? Oh yeah, yeah? no, okay. it's it, I'm waiting for copy edits, but okay. I have three books coming out before then. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay, what's that? <laughs> so so it's interesting, right? Like I got into this. um I wrote a book for my children, right? And then this book is a thing that has become a thing that people really want to read and talk about. Um, And like I said, it's given me the opportunity to travel Mm -hmm. and to talk to people, talk to kids all over the U.S. In talking to kids, they really want books now. Like I, I can't tell you the number of kids I've interacted with who say, "Yo, I never read a book in my life," but like. I read this one and I love it. Mm. What else you got?
0: Yeah. And so I
1: feel this, like I feel compelled to just produce and produce and produce. So I have a book. My third, so my second YA came out last October. That one's called Odd One Out. Um, That one deals with questioning and like teen sexuality Mm -hmm. and and trying to figure out your attractions and orientation Mm -hmm. and like how does friendship work when it's, you know, Male, female, 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 when there are romantic feelings, when there are platonic, Like, how do you mm-hmm. deal with that whole mess when you're young? Um, my novel that comes out, I have a novel coming out October 15th of this year. That one's called Jackpot. And Jackpot is about economic inequality. Um, and that one follows a, an African-American girl who lives, she's like kind of the poor kid in an upper middle class area. Uh, when I was young, my mom moved us to a suburb of Atlanta where the schools were better. And this is a reality for a lot of kids of color um, across the country where you have your parents, either you're bust in or, you know, some way or another, you come from kind of a lower income situation, but you wind up surrounded by people who have a lot of money. So this young lady works at a gas station uh, really to help her mother cover the bills. And there's a night that she sells a lottery ticket worth $106 million uh, but when the winner doesn't come forward, she decides to tap uh, the only other person in the store when she sold the ticket who happens to be the richest boy in school. So it's really this collision course of like a have and a have not. And what happens when two people from opposite ends of the socioeconomic spectrum have to work together to solve a problem? Um, so that one's October 15th. January, I have uh, my first middle grade novel coming out. That one's called Clean Getaway. Uh, that one follows. Will you, will you explain the
0: difference for for listeners? Absolutely. Like in author world, the difference between YA yes. and middle grade. So like what's the hard and fast rules about the different styles in there? You
1: know, there really aren't any. Yeah. So that's the complicated <laughs> part, right? Is it's it like just you the just age of the know, character? Mm, a little a bit. A little bit, But then yeah. even with that, like there are, there are books about 12-year-olds that I would not qualify 100%. as middle grade. And yeah. there are books about 16-year-olds that I'm like, is this yeah. written for a fourth grader? Yeah. Um, but in general... I think of the middle grade books as the experiences of kids between like 8 and 12. Um, So you're seeing those thought processes. You're seeing um, they're kind of getting prepared to go through the muck of being an actual teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, why it can be a little grittier. There are more intense thematic elements. And I think, honestly, one of the main differences is that most middle graders, their parents are picking the book, versus in YA, like, they're picking their own book. Interesting. Yeah. Which
0: is like... Yeah. Or you're Nebulas. 36, like me, and you're reading YA, because you're just that cool. You know, <laughs>
1: if I can be 34 and write it, you can be 34 and read it.
0: That's awesome. So, yes. you're, so you have a middle grade. Yes, the middle grade,
1: out. yes, which also deals <laughs> with racism. Clearly, I have a theme. Um Yeah, so that one follows a little black boy who goes on a road trip with his white grandmother across the American South. Mm. And, like, as they travel, it's a trip that she tried to take with her African-American husband in the 60s. So they're traveling along, and he's discovering that the world is a lot different. Yeah. And it was different for her then than it is now. But there are also still some vestiges of some of the stuff that she's talking about in his own life. And he also discovers that she's maybe a little different than he's expecting. Mm. Um, So that one was... Hard but also fun to write. Um, May fifth, I'm really excited about this one. I have a Marvel novel coming out. Oh
0: my gosh! Yes, that's incredible.
1: Um, I'm doing a series um, that features Shuri from Black Panther. Okay. And uh, I'm I've had it has been that has been the most challenging project I have ever done. Number one because typically I'm writing contemporary stuff, right? Yeah. So now all of a sudden I have to switch into this kind of science fiction, fantasy world world building
0: that already exists. That's the weird part, right? Like, it's like
1: I have to, like, play by rules. That is, I don't get to make the rules up. They already exist. But I also have to learn how to kind of work with, like, things that aren't real, like vibranium. Like, that's not an actual thing, (laughs) right? So, like, it does all this cool stuff, but it isn't actually real. But there are rules for how you can use it. How
0: funny. Yeah. You Wait, tell me about getting that call.
1: It was an email. Okay. And I lost my mind in an airport. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I get this email that's like, yeah, we're thinking we really want to do this project. And we were thinking Nick Stone would be perfect. And I screamed inside the Amarillo, Texas airport. (laughs) And and anybody who has been in Amarillo, Texas, like I saw a literal tumbleweed there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I never, I thought those were just in like the Wiley in Coyote cosmetics. Yeah. like yeah, the the <laughs> cartoons. What am I saying? Cosmetics. Yes, <laughs> I thought it was in those, just in the cartoons. And I actually saw one, and I was like, whoa. Um, but yeah, I get this email, and I, Wah! I like screamed in the airport. Um,
0: and is that yeah. for kids, or that's just like this is a anyone comic book I mean, graphic novel she's like yeah.
1: 12 13 yeah. in the book so yeah. it's pre-film pre-comic canon which means I did get to have a little bit of you got of fun. to experiment yeah because like this is like a time in her life before she actually exists in the comic world yeah um so that was fun and so the first one of those comes out May 5th and then the, se- the sequanion the sequel the Dear <laughs> Martin is um October 6th next year you
0: have a year my goodness it's getting fun. Yeah. I'm curious how different it is. Like I know what it is to launch books for adults, but I never thought about what the process is to launch stuff for kids. Mm-hmm. From a business perspective, are you like present on platform like Snap or TikTok or like do you are you do you hang out in places that are you're specifically marketing to younger kids? Or how does how do you even I feel like
1: that would be creepy. Like if my- I'm 100% on
0: TikTok, and I only create content for, like, 12-year-old girls. See, I don't, I, I don't yeah. even know what TikTok is. So TikTok is this platform that is primarily middle schoolers and even some elementary and then huh. high school. It's kind of like Vine. So it's like the new Vine. Okay. But the content that I do there is literally just for a middle school audience. So I talk about breakouts or bullies or, like, literally just stuff that's for them. Yeah. Because I found, and I'm sure and when you go to schools, you're finding the same things, but the conversation that I'm having with these young girls is devastating. Yeah. Like, the, uh, what, what's interesting is that as you're talking, I can imagine people saying, like, oh, these topics feel too... This is too gritty for kids today or whatever. It's like you have – you literally have no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You are not truly interacting with children in this country if you think these topics are something that they don't deal with on a daily basis. You've also forgotten what it's like to be young. Right. Exactly right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think about the number of adults I interact with who – you know, they're like, there shouldn't be sex in books about high schoolers. And I say, When did you lose your virginity? Exactly. And they go, Oh. And yeah. I'm like, I think it would actually kind of be helpful. Yeah. You know? If if this was a conversation, we, we that should we... be talking yeah. about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so I've typically I I am in I love Instagram. I'm follow me on Instagram at yeah. Nick Stone. <laughs> um But yeah, I love Instagram. It makes me very happy because there's no commentary. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean you get like comments, but like yeah. I love that it's just pictures. I yeah. can just scroll There's through pretty, pictures. Pretty There's pictures. no no words, yeah. no diatribes. I can just scroll. Um, but for the most part, when it comes to marketing... This is actually a really good question. I don't act, I don't really have an answer. And yeah. I think it's because I don't have a frame of reference for the adult world. How does it work in the adult world? So
0: we do a huge pre-launch campaign. So you do a ton of stuff to get awareness out before the book comes out. Okay. Um, we do, like, pre-order campaigns. So we do something that you get, uh, for instance, with, like, Girls Stop Apologizing. Uh, we did a e-course that if you pre-ordered the book so in publishing world if you're listening to this you don't know what we're talking about Mm -hmm. um all of all your pre-orders hit on day one yes so um that first day it could look like you had 10,000 or 20,000 books go sell that day Mm -hmm. which is super helpful for getting on the list which matters if you're an author blah 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 so we do huge pre-order campaigns um and then a ton of social push what we're doing with retailers, but I imagine that the buying is different for kids. So, Absolutely. like, I, I think of my my boys are a bit younger, so they're, like, Dave Pilkey, like, oh, there's a new, you know, Mine that, too. right? Yes. So they're, like, oh, there's a new, they know that something new is coming out, but it's just occurring to me right now, like, I have no idea why they know yeah, that one of his books is coming out and mm-hmm. it's new. I just never thought about it before. I think it's that's super interesting. I'm gonna have cow. to like do some digging and figure this out now. Yeah. It's like oh but I mean you're clearly you're you're having mad success. So do you think it's just word of mouth or probably. Yeah.
1: I mean it's helpful to be in like the school market. Yeah. You know, when you have classrooms across America that it's it's a required reading book. Yeah. People find out not only about the book, but about me as yeah, an author. Yeah, that's true. Um, which is helpful. Yeah, <laughs> it's important. Like, it's very helpful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And now I need to find out. Yeah. Like, now I need to know. No, I question. know there's been, I know they do, like, marketing campaigns in magazines, for instance, that are aimed at teenagers. Yeah. Like, I did, I remember doing an essay on the Teen Vogue website and something for Seventeen magazine. and yeah. And things where there are teenagers yeah um but it's a that's a really interesting question yeah.
0: I'm just always curious how other people like how you navigate that and what does it look like to meet kids where they're at yeah and talk to them where they're at I mean the, and the thing is you're are you on the road quite a bit, traveling yes. to schools yeah mm-hmm. is the, and how long have you been doing that
1: since I started in 2017, so I'm headed into the I'm like at the tail end of the second year yeah. of doing it
0: Are you still?
1: enjoying that or?
0: Oh, yeah. I yeah, love it. You
1: love I it. Love okay. It. I do. Yeah. Um, I find it enriching. Yeah. Um, I'm also like overwhelmingly extroverted, like yeah. almost to a fault <laughs> where I hate being alone. Yeah. Um, my husband and children were both gone on Sunday night, so I literally had friends come sleep at my house <laughs> so that I would not be alone so in my house. Alone. Yes. Um, but I get re-energized. Um, I mean, of course there's like a threshold, right? Yeah. You cross that threshold and you're like, whoa, that was too much. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I do, I love getting to talk to kids and yeah. hear what's on their minds and like hear, like, what are y'all actually thinking about? What is concerning you? And yeah. how do I help, how do I help you, you know, become who you want to be? Like, what do I, what do I say to you? What do you need to hear from me? Basically, yeah. um, Have you been
0: surprised by what
1: you've heard? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the time. Um, It's like it can be easy to buy into the idea that 12 to 18-year-olds are wildly self-absorbed. But honestly, it's just not true. Yeah, I mean, you have, of course, every now and then you'll encounter the person who only sees their own reflection. Mm-hmm. But that's true whether you're 12 or whether you're 36. Yeah. Like I got a few friends where I'm yeah. like, girl, if you don't get out the mirror so we can go. <laughs> yeah, um, They are very engaged. Mm-hmm. They're very locked in. And most of them really want to help make the world a better place.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: And I think that that is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I see it as such a privilege that I get the opportunity to like pour into that and to kind of help cultivate that.
0: As you look forward to when you step outside of the fiction space, like do you know, I think most authors sort of know the next like 27 projects if only you had the time mm-hmm. to write them. <laughs> so do you know what that, like if you were stepping out, what it would look like?
1: I do. I, and it's, I've been talking to my husband about it for a few days now. And we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so I've got three next year, four in 2021 and then. That are due or that are coming out? That are coming out.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And then I will have fulfilled contracts at that point, but I'm sure I'll sign some new ones before. Sure. That's always the way. So we'll we'll see. I definitely have a few ideas clicking around in there, um, about, you know, kind of just taking up space in another arena because Mm -hmm. I like I said before, I think it's totally fine to be good at more than one thing. Yeah. And to be in pursuit of more than one thing. Even within the publishing industry, you don't have to stay in one age range. You don't have to stay in one genre. Like if you I'm built I've built a YA audience. Now I'm going to work on building a middle grade audience and then I will work on building an adult audience. And I think that like it's fine that not everybody reads everything that I do. Like I can do this for you and I'll do this over here for you and this over here is for you. Yeah. And we'll just go from there because why
0: not? I'm writing a screenplay right now, which has been, I thought of this idea like four years ago. And it's that project that I'm like, oh, when I have time, when I have time and I'm on deadline for the next book. And I'm taking a moment out of being on deadline to do this, which is, you know, the dumbest thing in the whole world. But I also know if I don't force myself to do it, I'm not going to finish. And it is, I'm sure, total garbage but I am having so much fun. Yes. Yeah, right. And I'm loving that I get to say things or do things in this that you would not find in my nonfiction for sure. Uh-huh. You wouldn't even find in my fiction. Like, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to make that joke right now. But <laughs> the whole point of this is that I'm trying something new. Yeah. Um, so I, I love the idea of pushing yourself outside of you have what you're to. known for, like, right? You have to, yeah. I feel National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
1: I was listening to this podcast on... The Rebel Brain, it's one of the like NPR brain, there's like a series of brain things that's one of the NPR podcasts, but they were talking about how how important it is once you become an expert at something to go back to being an amateur at something else. Oh, that's Uh, good. To keep the elasticity, you you, you want to keep learning, like you should never stop learning because the minute you become an expert and you stagnate, like nobody's going to... Okay, cool. You're an expert. And now what? Yeah. You know? um, and also, it's just good for us as individuals to continuously be learning and continuously be like stuffing ourselves with things that are new and shoving ourselves outside of our comfort zones. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that there's something really powerful about stepping away, especially if you if you've had strong success in mm-hmm. something. I there. It almost feels. I, I don't know if you feel like this, but it almost feels like stifling to me creatively. That I had such big success in a very specific thing that, of course, the publisher is, like, just write that that. book forever. Yes, And I'm like, well, yeah, but I I said the things that I wanted. And then I'll, you know, you throw out ideas. Like, I'll talk to my lit agent. I'll be like, what if I – and they're like, oh, Lord, no, (laughs) do not write that but I think that there's something so powerful about forcing yourself back to zero. Yeah. Like, hey, great. You did that thing over there. And a lot of people would live in that forever. But I would rather challenge myself, even, by the way, if it's if I think it's good and other people are like, this is, this is a dumpster fire. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, but I did <laughs> but it. But I did it. Yes. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And
1: I hear you. And I'm like, okay, so this is a, if my lit agent tells me not to do something, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I think that that's just. You know, I think that that's an important thing. Therapy has been wrecking my life lately. Um, (laughs) But some of the things that I am taking from it with regard to doing the uncomfortable and, like, pursuing things you don't know you're good at yet. Because I feel like a lot of us have all of this kind of untapped magic inside of us. That we never unleash, we never find, because we're too busy focusing on how other people think of us. Mm -hmm. And the more time we spend trying to dig that stuff out, figuring out what makes us, like, what makes me tick? What are the things that bother me? What are the questions that I have about the world that I'm afraid to ask because I'm afraid of the answer? Like, digging into those things, I think, is just so enriching. And there's so much that you can, like... Not only that you can discover, but that you can, like, give to other people from all of this untapped stuff that we each have. Yeah. So please write that book. Yeah. That yes. said not to.
0: Yes. What is, it, um, what is it like for you to have gone from the idea, mm-hmm. back in the day, I'm going to write this thing, I'm going to try, I want to I create something, I want to see myself in these pages, to today, so much opportunity in front of you. Does that feel like, what does that responsibility feel like?
1: Ooh, that's a question. Um, I'm the eldest of three. So I don't, like it feel, I definitely feel a responsibility, but I also see it as a part of being kind of this big sister creature Mm -hmm. um, writing for these younger siblings that I'm constantly surrounded by. Um, the one thing that I do feel incredibly responsible for is making sure the representation is good, making sure that the people who look like me, no matter what age they are, are seeing themselves represented in a way that makes them feel good, that makes them feel hopeful, that makes them feel uplifted. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that like, but also that validates their experiences, right? Because, I think there are times, we're often conditioned to believe that you can't have, you can't have both, like, if things are terrible, then they're just terrible, right? But they can also be funny. Like, you can laugh in the thick of, like, I can laugh at a funeral that I've actually been at a funeral where the preacher cracked a joke and we all just busted out laughing. Yeah. And it was the best moment yeah. of the funeral, you yeah. know? There, there is light like darkness cannot exist without light. Mm-hmm. Like there is levity in everything. So making sure that I am presenting these experiences as authentically as possible, but also with the caveat that like, it's going to be okay. And honestly, even if it isn't okay, it's still actually okay. Yeah. Gosh. And it, it, you know, it's hard, but it's a hard that's worth it to me. Um, just because if I do nothing else, When I am no longer here on earth, I want it to be said that people looked at me and saw what they could do Mm. and decided to chase after it. Um, Especially my kids. Especially my kids. Like, I want my kids to be like, yo, not only is mommy dope, (laughs) women are dope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that a lot um, because as I was navigating this career and coming up in a social media environment as a blogger mm-hmm. back in the day, I got so much crap for people being a working mom, and they would say like, oh, "Oh, girl, what's this gonna What's this gonna do to your kids? What's this gonna teach your kids?" And I'm like, "Well, I have three boys." Who don't know a world where a woman can't found a multi dollar dollar company, girl. right? I have a daughter who has watched, who will continue to watch her mom build something from nothing. So that's what it will do for my kids. But I think when you're first starting out, it's so easy to be swayed by what people are saying. Mm-hmm. I, I I have to imagine in that you're writing about a topic that is so. Um, Divisive, yeah. Uh, that people who don't understand the narrative that you're writing from, it, that there's pushback. There is that.
1: You'd accurate? be surprised. Um, so there are chapters in Dear Martin that are written in pure dialogue. So you have the character's name, a colon, and what's being said. There are no dialogue tags. There's no exposition whatsoever. And part of the reason I wrote them that way is so that anybody can find themselves in this mm-hmm. conversation. And I find that I often have people who will come to me. It's usually straight white boys, like the real popular jockey ones who are at the peak of privilege, <laughs> who basically like, if you ask for it, it will be given to you. Yeah. The, those types, they will come to me and they will say, I was nervous about reading this book because I thought, you know, you were going to be going on and on about racism. But I actually really appreciated getting to see this perspective that I understand. Mm. So there's not as much pushback as I expected.
0: Good.
1: Um, Yeah. And and that has been good. Like, it it makes me feel hopeful. Yeah. um, Knowing that there are people who are willing to step outside of their comfort zones into these shoes that don't belong to them. Um, And while it's true that no one can ever really truly live inside another person's skin and mind and know what they're going through, we can always connect on the point of emotion. So when you have this kid who is unjustly arrested, I go into these spaces and I say, have any of you ever been accused of a thing that you didn't do? Boom, the connection is made. Yeah. Have any of you ever been in a a room where you felt out of place? Boom, connection made. So we can all identify with these emotions that this kid is feeling, which is where empathy comes from. So I think that, like, when I'm answering these questions and, like, going into these spaces and trying to get people to shake out of, well, this is divisive, I'm uncomfortable, I don't want to talk about it. The easiest way to do that is by asking them questions. And it's such, like, there's so much light in the world, despite the amount of darkness that's here, too. Um, And I find that, like, the more I focus on finding that light and finding the ways that we are able to connect with each other, the better things go.
0: Yeah. Man. You're dropping all kinds of knowledge today, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: falling out of the chair. No, too. I
0: like it. I have no concept if we've been talking for five minutes or three hours, which is a good, which is a good I one. It absolutely good. is. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, that means we did a good podcast. Dang it. Thank you so much for the wisdom and the insight. If people are loving you and I know they are, where is is Instagram the place to hang out Instagram with you? Instagram is the yes. place.
1: It's at Nick Stone, N-I-C-S-T-O-N-E. You could follow me on Twitter, but I don't like it very much. I know. I don't use Twitter. So, I'm there, but I don't actually use same, it for anything. Yeah, same, I, so, I, like, I like
0: the photos just the same. Don't bother. Well, there's about 17 books a year headed to us from Nick's show. Yes. So get your hearts ready Doing for that. Doing it to it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and talking about all the things. I yeah. literally think we covered every every base that there is. That's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for the time. I appreciate yeah, it. thanks for having me. Yeah, of course.